You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Hey, good morning, Banner Church. Thank you so much for being here today. Listen, I, I didn't do this in the first service, but I felt compelled to do it here. You know, we're doing a Pentecostal liturgy series. That's the title of our, our series these last couple weeks. And what does that mean? It means that we do all things with the filling of the Holy Spirit. That we worship with the filling of the Holy Spirit. So I, I just want to take a moment and kind of get our hearts right and pray before I jump in. Um, so will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, would you just pour out your Spirit on us today? Lord, I pray that you, you would speak through me, that these would not be my words but yours, and that we would find ourselves just coming straight to you, Jesus, that we would find communion with you, reconciliation, love, and hope. We ask that your spirit will be so evident in this place today and so tangible and that you will begin to do a new thing in our hearts. Like David said in the psalm, God, create in me a pure heart, O Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that we're able to gather here to get today and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, listen, I just want to take a moment to introduce myself. I know that there's a lot of you in here that uh, don't know me, and, and I don't know you. And it's crazy because over the last couple years, I, I've been in college, but I come back and visit. And every time I visit, I know less and less people, and it's amazing. I think that is just the best thing ever, that as I've come back, it's just grown, and, and Banner has just developed in such amazing ways. We have new, new congregate members. I think that's so cool. So I just want to take a moment introduce myself. I'm sure some of you are confused. or like, who is this? taller, less attractive version of Jamin on the stage right now. And that is my brother, um, but I'm Jensen, Jensen Metcalf, and I have had the opportunity to be part of Banner Church for a long time. My parents came to Scottsdale almost 10 years ago and planted this church. And so we grew up and we did high school here in Scottsdale. We got to be a part of the church here. And when I graduated, when I graduated high school, I went to Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. And I was there for about a year. And after about a year, I was like, you know, I don't know if I like college. And I came back and I dropped out. Uh, but there's redemption to that story. Don't worry. We'll get there. And so I dropped out of school for a bit, came home. And while I was home, I had the opportunity to serve actually here at Banner on staff. I was working as a worship leader and a creative director. And during that time, uh, I felt like God just really put on my heart that he was calling me to be a pastor and to go into full-time ministry. And Pastor Josh was a big part of kind of developing that and helping disciple me. And so when I started thinking, okay, what does this look like? God, you want me to do ministry? What does that mean for me? I prayed and I fasted and I talked to people and, and I felt like God was saying, Jensen, you need to go back to school and you need to finish your degree. Because I realized that if I was going to teach the word, if I was going to try to embody the word and shepherd, that I, I should be immersed in scripture, that I should learn and grow and develop and understand it. And so I went back to school, and I've been at Southeastern in Lakeland, Florida for three years now, and I just graduated this semester. So, 
If you also graduated, congrats. Technically, I virtually graduated thanks to Corona, but it's okay. We rescheduled the ceremony, so it's going to be great. Um, but if any of you have graduated college, you know that there's only really one thing we can guarantee after college. If you've graduated, or maybe you have kids that have graduated, or you're getting ready to. If you're getting ready to, I'm sorry to tell you this. It's a harsh reality, but there's one thing we can guarantee, and it's not a job. It's debt. Amen? So as you, as you can imagine, I have graduated with some debt, uh, and quite a bit of debt at, at that. And for some of you in here, I know there's, there's a few that probably did really well in high school, and you got straight A's, you got a full ride. Congrats, more power to you. Uh, but debt is real, and it affects a lot of us. And I, I think it's such a harsh reality to live by, that we, we owe this college that, like, you know, it did give us a lot, right? Maybe we should pay it something, but uh, I need a job. I don't know. I, I, I got to find a way to pay this debt. And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, how amazing would it be if Southeastern University called me up right now during this message? If they did, it, it would literally be prophetic. They called me up and they said, Jensen, we're going to cover all your debt. Every penny of it just wiped out. Do we have college grads in here? How amazing would that be if that happened? Wouldn't that be a miracle, right? Just completely wiped it out. And I was like, man, that would just be so absolutely incredible if that could happen. But how much of a tragedy would it be if they called me and they said, Jensen, your debt is gone, every penny, no questions asked, no strings attached. I was like, wow, thank you. That is so incredible of you. Thank you so much. And I turned around, got off the phone, and I saw my brother, and I was like, oh, by the way, you owe me $6 for lunch. Pay, pay up. Send him a cash app request. How, how hypocritical. A debt so large could be so mercifully given to me, and yet I can't turn around and just forgive the small debt of a brother or a friend. And so today we're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about debt. God, God grants us forgiveness abundant, and he calls us to a life of forgiveness. See, I believe, I truly believe, that we must be forgiven, and so we must forgive. Now, before I continue, I, I do want to just give some context to wh what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a lot about grace and mercy and forgiveness because it's important. It's an important part of all of Scripture. But I just want to say this. Forgiveness does not cancel out justice. It does not negate consequence. So if you're in this room today, and you're in an abusive relationship, or you're, you're in an incredibly toxic work environment, or a crime has been committed against you. I just want to say today, forgive, yes, but we don't forget. We believe in justice, okay? We believe that there is consequence to action, so please do not stay in an abusive, abusive relationship. Do not stay in a toxic work environment. And let's, let's believe in consequence, because justice is important. We serve a God that holds mercy and justice in both hands. So now let's, let's move on. Let's jump in together. This week, 
We're, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, and this week we're going through verse 12. So if you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, and it'll be on the screens as well. Jesus says, he says this, And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. God's forgiveness is necessary. It's necessary. What does that mean? Well, when I first read this text, I noticed something when I started studying. This phrase, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, is actually part of, of another sentence. Last week we read, give us this day our daily bread, and we prayed for, for provision. We said, God, we need your provision. You provide all things. And in the same sentence, Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, I believe that in the same way that we need bread and water and shelter, that we need forgiveness in this life. Jesus was doing something intentional in this prayer. In fact, I would say Jesus does most things with intentionality. But especially right here, he's being intentional. He's saying, God, grant us food, even though we may not deserve it. But grant us forgiveness, even though we definitely don't deserve it. Forgiveness is necessary. I love the song that we just sang. And in the bridge, it said, I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. And then it also said right after, I needed shelter. We need forgiveness in the same way that we need the daily provisions of God. Forgiveness is necessary. See, we live in a world that is just rife with brokenness. We see it every day. You don't even have to look at social media or the news anymore. You could just look out your window to see the brokenness of this world. In fact, we're still dealing with the same issues that we've been dealing with for thousands of years. And even personally, sin weighs heavy. So why do we need forgiveness? Well, because sin, what it does is it, it separates us from God. I, I love, when I describe sin, I always say it's an alienation. Sin comes in, and when we commit it, when we, when we go against God, it alienates us not just from other people, but from even ourselves, and ultimately from God. And if our goal as a Christian community is, is to commune with God, to find wholeness with Him, th then sin is a plague on us, keeping us from that. And what is the only cure? The only cure is forgiveness. We saw it all throughout the whole Old Testament. When Adam and Eve, they bit into that forbidden fruit and sin entered the world. Throughout the whole Old Testament, it, it talks about these sacrifices to atone for our sin. We had to come to an altar and bring an animal and lay it out. And not only did we, we lay out this animal and have the blood shed as atonement, then we also came with a humble heart and said, God, please forgive us. Please forgive us, God. Leviticus chapter 4, it talks all about the sin offerings, why we need them, why we do them. But see, now it, it's so beautiful. Now the atonement was paid for. 
We have talked about this for weeks. Easter was just a few weeks ago. The debt has been paid. Amen? Jesus died on a cross so that the whole debt would be gone. It's like Southeastern calling me and saying, it's all gone. It's that incredible, that much of a miracle. And Jesus even says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, when he's breaking bread, he goes and he took the cup, he had given thanks, and he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of of sins. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did Jesus die on the cross? So that we might be saved. So that the debt might be paid. Forgiveness is necessary, and God took it upon himself to make sure it was available. And so Jesus went on that cross, and he bore the weight of our sin, so that this alienation, this divisiveness, didn't have to, to be a reality anymore. We could find communion with God. So what, is, what does forgiveness look like now? Well, it looks like Jesus on the cross saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. Isn't it incredible that when Jesus was up there, it, it, not only was he paying for our sins for the future, but he was also saying, forgive the Romans who nailed me on this cross. Forgive the Jews, his own people, who called for his death. So if Jesus could do that, if he could forgive the Romans, the Jews, us, all people, how much more should we be forgiving? See, we must be forgiven, and so we must forgive. Responding with forgiveness is necessary. See, forgiveness is necessary, but responding with forgiveness is necessary. Right after the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, again, if you want to pull out your Bibles, it'll be on the screen as well. In, in verses 14 through 15, Jesus ends the prayer, and then he says this. He goes back to his statement on forgiveness, and he goes, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Woo! I, I read that. The first time I read that, I went back to this, and I kind of forgot that was in there. And I remember reading it, I was like, Jesus, come on. Like, what are you talking about? I, I thought we were in this grace realm, right? But what do you mean if we don't forgive, he won't forgive us? I'll tell you what he means. He, he's talking about repentance. See, forgiveness is necessary for you and me. Trust me, I need it. But to live a life of unforgiveness after we've been forgiven, it's just, it's so wrong. It's so opposite of the Christian message. See, to be a Christian is not just to receive the gift of grace, but it's to give the gift of grace. It's the Holy Spirit poured in and then poured out. We've been talking about it for weeks. When we talked about provision, we said, God, provide for us. But also give us the strength and the heart to provide for those who can't. Today we're saying, God, forgive me. But give me the eyes to see. 
and a soft heart to forgive others because forgiveness is necessary, but responding with forgiveness is also necessary because forgiveness is available to all of us. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. It's available to all of us. I don't know if you've read Galatians, but I love what Paul says in Galatians. There is no Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or master, no male or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. In fact, in Ephesians, it says this. In Ephesians 1, verses 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, again, if you want to turn there, you're more than welcome to. Jesus kind of, he gives us a glimpse of, of what life is like if we don't forgive. And again, it's harsh. Peter has asked him, he said, Jesus, you know, how often should I forgive if somebody keeps recommitting this act? And then Jesus goes into this parable. And he describes a master and a servant. And he says, the servant owes the master. In fact, he owes him a, a, a great debt. And if you go in there, I believe it's 10,000 um, 10, denarii, something like that. And if you Google that number and what it's worth today, it's a lot of money. More money than I even owe to Southeastern, which is surprising. <laughs> and he owes him this great debt. And the master at first is like, I'm going to sell you, your wife, your kids, your property to pay off the debt. But the servant comes to him on his knees. He says, Master, be patient with me. Please, I, I can pay it. And the master, with, with a merciful heart, says, You're forgiven. It's erased. Not even if you do something, it's just gone. The debt is gone. The servant says thank you, and he leaves the master's courts. But then the servant finds a co-worker, a fellow, fellow servant, who owes him 300 denarii, which again, Google it, it's a lot less than the first debt. And the servant comes, comes to his co-worker, and, and he literally gets physical with him, and it says he chokes him and says, Give, pay me my debt. And the coworker gets on his knees again. He says, please be patient with me. Please, I, I can pay it. But the first servant, he says, no, and puts him in jail until his debt is paid. And then Jesus ends the story with this. He says, then the master summoned the servant and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Listen, guys, I, I know this is a hard message to hear. This is a tough pill to swallow especially with everything going on in our world right now, how, how do we forgive? How? Well, I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He goes, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, 
We are less prone to hate our enemies. See, we must be forgiven, and so we must forgive. And why? Because forgiveness brings peace. It brings reconciliation and wholeness in life. Yes, forgiveness is not easy. I'm telling you right now, I have a hard time forgiving my brother for leaving his dishes in the, in the sink. Seriously, it, it gets so on my nerves. And if I have a hard time doing that, how much harder is it for those of us who have experienced true injustice, true pain and hurt? There's a story from a few years ago in, in 2015, Dylan Roof went into a church in Charleston, South Carolina, and he gunned down nine people. In fact, he, he prayed with them first. He was in a Bible study with them first. And then he killed nine people. It was tragic. It was a crime of hate and racism, and it was absolutely evil. And yet the families of the victims, they went to the courtroom at the trial. And you can watch this on YouTube. It, it's so powerful. And they look right in Dylan's eyes. And they all take turns saying, we forgive you. In fact, there's a mother whose daughter was killed. And, and she says, that looks at Dylan and goes, we have no room for hate. So we must forgive. We have no room for hate. And so we must forgive. What is the answer to the injustice of the world? What is the answer to sin that breaks us down, breaks down us individually, but as a society? It's not hate. It's not bitterness. It's forgiveness. See, we live in a point in time that's really interesting. And I'm going to try to not get too uh, passionate about this, but we live in a time where cancel culture is, it rules over all. The cancel culture is our, our judge, it's our ex executioner, or call-out culture, if you've heard of that. We see one wrong thing done, or one phrase that's said wrong, and that person, it, it's a phrase now, literally becomes a non-person. You did one thing wrong, and you're a non even if you have a multitude of, of sins, right, you're, you become, it's hopeless. Get out of here. See, that's not justice, Justice is meant to reform. It's Justice is saying, I'm not giving up on you. Justice says there is hope for all people. See, forgiveness, it's the language of love, but bitterness is the language of hate. We can no longer live by an eye for an eye or hate for hate, but we have to respond with commitment for betrayal peace for war, a blessing for a curse, forgiveness for a debt, and love for hate. Forgiveness brings peace because we must be forgiven and we must forgive. I'm going to invite the band up as I close. So what does this look like? You know, we, we talk about it, we hear it, read all throughout Scripture. What, is, what does forgiveness look like? What does that mean? How are we forgiven? How do we forgive others? 
Well, we want to give you guys kind of the practical steps for that. That's why we're writing these liturgies. You know, you can see them on the wall over there. We have printouts in the back. But what are these liturgies but a guide to help us understand how to not just believe but embody, right? And so I think the first step in forgiveness is coming to the altar with a heart of repentance, See, the debt was paid on the cross. Amen. It was paid. But just because the debt was paid does not mean that we, we don't get to live humbly. We have to. We have to come with a penitent heart. Even when a sacrifice was made in the Old Testament, they would still come to the altar and say, God, forgive us. See, the sacrifice has been made. All that's left is for us to give God everything. In Psalm 51, it says, For you will not delight in a sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. See, I, I believe in the altar. We're, listen, we're Pentecostals here. If you didn't know that, now you know. We're Pentecostals here. And I believe in the altar. We, we come to this space not because, like, it's some sacred, oh, if you sit here, you know, God will bless you. We come to it because it's an embodiment of the love that we have for Jesus. We come to the altar because it's saying, God, I give you everything. Search my heart. Forgive me. So that's the first step. We bring our heart as an offering. And then... We have to accept the gift of grace and commit to repentance. My, my favorite theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if, if you haven't heard of him or you haven't read him, I, I believe that every Christian should read the book, The Cost of Discipleship. The Bible and Cost of Discipleship. But the Bible, Cost of Discipleship. But you should still read it. And he says in this book, his main kind of point is that yes, grace is a free gift given, but it comes with the cost. It comes with the cost of following Jesus. See, God, God has given us this access, accessible gift to all people. And all he says is, come follow me. So to come to the altar and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I, you know, I lay out my heart. But not say, I'm going to turn around in repentance and do the same for others. It's like we said, it's a tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy. So first, we bring our heart as an offering. And then we accept the grace that's been given and commit to a life of repentance. And lastly, it's the hardest one, guys. We forgive. This is the hardest one to do. I, I'm not going to pretend that I've been through some crazy trials in my life. There are people that have gone through much worse than me. And yet there are still people that I know, I'm like, God, I need you to keep working in me. Help me. I can't do this on my own. And so when we forgive, we ask the Holy Spirit, come into me, fill me up. Holy Spirit, give me your strength to forgive, to let go, to hope for people, to not give up on them. But we must forgive. See, forgiveness is necessary. 
And so we respond with forgiveness because forgiveness brings peace. C.S. Lewis, he, he described forgiveness in an amazing way. He goes, real forgiveness means looking steadily at the sin, the sin that is left over without any excuse, after all allowances have been made, and seeing it in all its horror, dirt, meanness, and malice, and nevertheless being wholly reconciled to the man who has done it. See, God wants us to be reconciled. He's reconciled himself to us. And so let us be reconciled to our fellow man. Would you guys stand with me? I'm going to read this liturgy in a moment. Every week we, we've read these together. We prayed them over you. And, and I hope you've taken them home and prayed them in, in your room, in your prayer, prayer closet, whatever it is. I'm going to read this, and we're going to go into a time of worship. But I would love for us to just be in a posture of receiving. Uh, if you want to open your hands, whatever it is, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Listen to these words. Father God, author of all salvation, we come to your altar with all, the only offering you desire, our heart, broken, penitent, laid bare before you. God, we invite your searching gaze into our hearts to examine us through and through. Search every room and corridor. Leave no table unturned. Forgive every wicked way within us. Through your salvation, the old is gone, the new is come, and we are made clean by the blood of the Lamb. You are the only one who could pay our debt. And though we do not deserve it, we receive the fullness of your grace. In accepting your free gift, we respond with a life devoted to you, devoted to the fruits of repentance. Oh, Lord, fill us with strength, for we recognize that forgiveness can be difficult, but if you can forgive us, how much more can we forgive others? Holy Spirit, help us to give mercy as we have been given mercy, to release our anger towards those who have wronged us, to choose redemption instead of vengeance. We pray for the unity of your church and long for the reconciliation of this world. We will not give up on our brothers and sisters, but choose daily to forgive one another. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Listen, I believe in this room there are some of us that are saying, God, I need your forgiveness right now. And so we're going to go into worship, but I just want to take a moment. We're going to open this altar. This is a space for you to, to find rest, for us to pray with you, because this is, this is a team sport. We're in this together, right? So I'm going to open this altar for three, three requests here. First of all, if you've come in here and you have not said yes to Jesus, I believe that this is your moment right now. We believe that when we say yes to Christ, we're saying yes to freedom, 
We're seeing, saying yes to joy and fullness. So if you'd like to say yes to Jesus, this altar is open for you. We want to pray with you. The second, if, if you're saying, Jensen, I, I need forgiveness right now. I'm carrying debt. I'm carrying a weight and a burden, and I can't do it any longer. I need forgiveness. This space is open for you as well. We want to pray and help you along that journey. And lastly, you're saying, Jensen, I'm, I'm harboring bitterness and anger, and I need to let go. And I need to believe that God's justice will be done, but that I can be reconciled. And this space is open for you as well. Heavenly Father, would you just draw us closer to you, Jesus. Draw us into your heart, oh Lord. I pray that your forgiveness will be so clear, so abundant, and so transformative in our lives that we will begin to truly embody your church, a church of love and mercy and justice. In Jesus' name we pray.